Welcome to Safe Radio, offering hope, health, and healing in these challenging times. My name is Ann Bergen, co-host of this series of programs, joined by Jim Derrick, creator of this podcast, and also a founding member of the Safe Coalition, an organization dedicated to providing support for individuals and their families living with the consequences of substance misuse. Jim knows firsthand how substance misuse impacts not just the user, but the loved ones who care so deeply and so often feel helpless to do anything about it. He and SAFE are determined to educate the community, especially to erase the stigma too often preventing people from reaching out for help and support. To reassure those suffering, it is not weakness or moral failure fueling their substance misuse, but rather pain, shame, fear, anxiety, and often hopelessness, a pain that too many in our country and around the world are suffering. Substance misuse is just one of the many destructive coping strategies used to temporarily ease unsettling emotions. Part of the SAFE mission is also to make people aware of the other resources and caring individuals who are out there devoting their lives to helping others, individuals and their organizations who offer compassion, not judgment, listening, not lecturing, a helping hand, not a scolding finger. Our guest today are those compassionate individuals who want others to know you don't have to go through this journey alone. We are here for you. So, Jim. Awesome. Thank you, uh, Ann. And I want to welcome back Julie Sprinkle, Paula Fisher, and Paul McElerney. It's great to see you all again. Thank you for coming back to do part two of a program. So today we're going to talk about Dual Recovery Anonymous, a program that we want to really bring out of the shadows and spotlight today as it really dovetails nicely with last week's program on the Massachusetts Clubhouse Coalition. So Julie, tell us about Dual Recovery Anonymous. Absolutely. Well, um, Dual Recovery Anonymous, or DRA as we fondly refer to it, is a 12-step fellowship. It is an offshoot of AA, like all 12-step fellowships. It was founded in 1989 by a man named Tim Hamilton and a group of like-minded individuals in Kansas City. And in 1994, when my mentor and also my employer, Reva Stein and Val Comerford, were looking for a dual recovery program for Clubhouse members, and we can talk more about Clubhouse in a minute. They read about uh, Dual Recovery Anonymous. They reached out to Tim, and he came out to uh, Massachusetts and did a week-long training for Clubhouse, um, the Clubhouse community. And that started a long, long time relationship with Tim, and it started the DRA community in Massachusetts, which houses today uh, the longest-running DRA meeting in the Northeast. So we now have grown to 36 virtual DRA meetings that are open to anyone um, and are posted on the Massachusetts Clubhouse Coalition website. Um, We can give that address, too. And we have over 60 meetings in person and virtual throughout the state. Thank you. That's a wonderful primer on that. And I want to make sure that people know when we speak about dual recovery, where you're talking about 
mental health and substance misuse. And, and uniquely, dual recovery offers the opportunity for somebody to enter into a system of recovery into a 12-step fellowship, which supports both. That's right. Simultaneously, right? That's right. And it's any addiction and any mental health challenge, diagnosed, not diagnosed, self-diagnosed, self-identified. We even welcome um, and encourage supporters to come. We have family members that come, friends that come. Um, it's really a cu- community of recovery where we are working the 12 steps and we are collaborating together on a pro- approach to wellness and a lifestyle that promotes that. Tell me, Julie, why is it necessary to have a dual recovery approach? Why why not just the 12 steps that people are so familiar with? Well, Tim Hamilton's genius was that if you are in recovery from a mental health challenge, which so many people self-identify as being in recovery from both a mental health challenge and an addiction, it is helpful to work both at the same time, to work the steps Um, with both in mind. So, for example, the published material that Tim Hamilton put forth asks questions and refers to mental health challenges just as it does addiction. I will say that the DRA material specifically is geared towards substance use, but we have adapted it in our community to include all types of addictions, and and we keep that in mind when when we run our meetings. That's such a great description. Thank you, Julie. And I know for myself, I, I'm in a 12-step program for codependency. It's not affiliated with Al-Anon. I use the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, and it's amazing. I, I, I At first, I thought someone was crazy for recommending that to me, but it's a wonderful text and, more importantly, a wonderful program of recovery and really is a design for living. Paula, what has your experience been with DRA? Initially, I was uncomfortable with the concept of DRA, my thoughts initially went to AA and what AA is, and my impression of what an alcoholic is is somebody that drinks every day and drinks to get drunk every day, and um, I didn't feel like I fit that little category. But again, Val Comerford um, enlightened me into my compulsive behaviors in other areas, and at times with alcohol. I was more of a uh, binge drinker, but I also abused medications mm. while I was at my, in my deepest depressions. And I have at times gone through periods of shopping addictions, of Well, I was a smoker, and um, I just quit a couple of years ago. Got scared into it um, because my husband got lung cancer, and I got COPD. And uh, we both did it together to support one another. You know, grateful that that happened in my life in many ways. Um, It's just like the mental health. I'm grateful that I went through what I went through so that I could be enlightened as I am today. I love that. And, and the, the more people that I meet in recovery, the more expressions of gratitude I hear for their journeys. Uh, I hear people express that often, and um, I get it. I do know that as a result of these programs, Val Comerford is going to be the most Googled name on the planet because we've mentioned her so often. But she's also really, really enlightened 
us at the Safe Coalition. Her presence on our board has really enlightened us both to the clubhouse, the Mass Clubhouse Coalition, and the importance of having dual recovery and offering that. And uh, we hopefully will have a meeting housed at the Safe Coalition offices very soon, maybe with your help. But I, I think it's such an essential tool. I kind of want to drill down a little bit more as to, again, being careful not to point any fingers because the 12, the traditional 12-step programs work and they're wonderful. But if, if I'm living, say, with an anxiety disorder, I'll pick anxiety and I'm taking a medication. Maybe it's a benzodiazepine uh, medication or uh, some other form of medication. I'm not sure I'm, I'm necessarily supported, Paul, in the 12 steps, am I, in the traditional 12 steps for taking that medication? You mean taking it as prescribed? Yes. Uh, in AA? Yeah. Uh, I would say traditionally, more likely than not, you're going to face some some uh, stigma in right. AA. Right. And again, that's not to point fingers at AA. It's a wonderful program. But, but I know the stigma can be around the halls, and some are more evolved than others. So, mm -hmm. so again, and the question is, are you still sober? Right. When that, you're yeah. taking those medications, that can be the question. Yeah, that, that often is the question. Right. Right. Often is the question. Mm -hmm. So with the DRA approach, you're managing your mental health and you're encouraged to stay in your prescribed medications. Use them as prescribed. Right. You're encouraged to continue with therapy. Yeah, that that language is actually embedded in the, the formats of, of DRA. That's, what I, that's exactly right. So really essential. It absolutely is essential. I mean, it's. I think when I was listening to Val's interview earlier, um, mm -hmm. she said it best. It's. It's a program that really focuses on harm reduction, um, and obviously, for people to meet their sobriety goals, whatever those may be. But harm reduction is is considered to be a success in DRA. Can I just go back to I, because I think the part that Julie was emphasizing, um, which is especially important, that this is dual recovery is for. All addictions. It's not just substance. I, I just want to keep reinforcing that because can you can you speak a little bit? You, Paula, you talked about sort of um, <clears throat> compulsive behaviors. What are the other addictions besides substance and alcohol that if people feel that these are negatively impacting their lives, you know, the consequences, are, they're keeping them from doing things that are helpful or keeping them off, keeping them off the path, we keep saying to a meaningful life. What are some of the other addictions that people could get help and support with through dual recovery? Can we go a little bit deeper into that? Because I think sometimes people think it's another form of Alcoholics Anonymous, you know, and I think the more we get out that people understand that addictive behavior is really, really impacting America in incredible ways. I was wondering if someone might speak to that a little bit. Well, I know one of the things that we haven't mentioned so far um, is gambling mm -hmm. huge issue um and a lot of people are affected by it and just like perhaps the shopping addictions that i've dealt with um gambling has a tremendous economic impact as does substance use people go into debt feeding their habits mm -hmm. um and smoking economic um in addition to the addiction itself. You know, one of the important things on my recovery journey has been realizing that I, I, I really wasn't trying to compare myself out of the room. I was looking for common things to compare myself into the room. And what I found is that I have an obsession of the mind. In my case, my obsession was the codependency with my son. And so that caused me to do all sorts of things that were destructive. Escaping became so 
paramount in my life that I was missing incredible chunks of time with my family. So whether I was out on a lake fishing alone or whether I isolated somewhere else, I went to Florida alone or I um, overspent. I mean, these were all things that I was driven to do as a result of that obsession of the mind. So again, Ian, I was brought back to, to myself to think, okay, how am I possibly different? I, I don't see the difference. It's a nuance, you know? And so for me, that was central, a central part of my understanding for recovery. Um, so I, I've, been, I've been sober from, from alcohol and drugs for 11 years. And um, in early recovery, uh, doing the 12 steps and finding that not only did it save my life, it actually gave me life. I used to tell people who were not alcoholic or not in, involved in drug addiction that um, that anybody should be doing the 12 steps. It, it's it's a it's a you know it's a design for living that works for anybody. So there was you know there's been people in my life, friends, family, uh, acquaintances that I've you know kind of haphazardly shown how how I do the 12 steps and then say hey if, if you want more information let me know because I think it could work for anyone and, and improve their life. And then I got to see firsthand this program DRA that actually applies it to literally any kind of unhealthy coping mechanism and i mean i have an addictive mind through and through like i may have been i may be sober from alcohol and drugs you know for over a decade but i'm addicted to to collecting movies i'm addicted to you know you name it caffeine i'm addicted to you know having organized a a hyper organized life i'm addicted to i'm addicted to anything i put my hands on luckily because harm reduction is part of dra these are much healthier than than you know drinking every single day so so it's you know but it's a constant um balancing for I think anybody whether you're an addict or not and only in DRA can I talk about these kinds of things and learn like oh how does this relate back to my alcoholic mind like you said um and I, I I'll say I come from AA I'm a I, I was I probably would have been one of the anti uh don't say addict in AA if, if if I was born 60 years earlier um but I was also I I came up in AA at the same time that uh opiates were becoming more and more prevalent in AA meetings and I fully supported that to be covered um, but I also suffer from significantly like debilitating OCD. And so when I found DRA, I was still very active in AA and I kind of did DRA, um, almost from a, a supporter standpoint and didn't go too de- in depth in my own recovery. When the pandemic hit, I didn't want to go to in-person AA meetings anymore because, you know, COVID uh, and also m- most of them weren't happening. So I, I realized like, wow, I'm, I just lost my entire recovery routine. I've been doing these DRA meetings kind of you know, half-heartedly because I've been focusing on AA for my recovery. During the pandemic, I became way more reliant on DRA. And I, 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 there's now members at our, at my clubhouse at Nippon's River House that know way more about me than any of the other staff do um, because I opened up in these meetings. And mm. so DRA, coming from someone who's a hard-lined AA, like 12, you know, 12-step. Uh, a thumper. A thumper, <laughs> big-time thumper. I can tell you. DRA can do the exact same thing um, for, you know, for anybody. And I'll tell you, you asked earlier what kind of addictions we cover. Um, like I think Paula and Julie both said, any. We have people who come in for addiction to cutting, addiction to, um, you know, cigarettes, caffeine, uh, sex addiction, porn addiction, gambling addiction, shopping addiction. I think one time someone came in and talked about how they thought they drank too much water. Um, now, that, that was kind of new to me, uh, and I don't want to sound like I'm watering down DRA, <laughs> but it, it really does come down to, you know, the 12 steps can help anybody with almost anything, and having an unhealthy coping mechanism is something that can be addressed by the 12 steps. Thank you, Paul. And our goal here clearly is not to uh, prescribe one 
uh, one program over another. Uh, they both stand independently, and they're wonderful, wonderful programs. Uh, but I do want to make this accessible to people. And I want you, if you are curious as to where to find dual recovery meetings, the place to go, the only place to go, is to the massclubs.org website. Use the drop-down menu under dual recovery, and you'll find dual recovery resources, which includes an online directory for uh, online or virtual meetings. It also includes principles about the program and, of course, in-person meetings as we're now getting back to them. And you said there are roughly 30 in the Commonwealth, right? Yeah, so there are um, about 36 uh, virtual meetings listed on our website that are open to anyone. And there are about 60 or so meetings total that are represented. Many of them are closed because of COVID right now. So um, they may be on our website under in-person meetings, but um, if it says closed meetings, you really should contact the clubhouse to check to see whether it's available to you or not. And I really would recommend um, if you're looking at any in-person meeting, open or closed, that that you do check in with the site before you head over there just to, to double check. Great. And again, right out of the gate, the DRA questions and answers. What are the requirements for DRA, DRA membership? A desire to stop using alcohol and or other intoxicating drugs. Two, a desire to manage our emotional or psychiatric illness in a healthy and constructive environment. So that is the core competency of DRA. And um, I know I speak to enough families, and we speak to enough families every week that express concern over both and are looking for systems of care for both. And um, DRA, dual recovery, is happening right here, and we don't want it to be a closely held secret, and we want it to spread. How does somebody access, can you walk into a meeting? Are all meetings open? I would say um, not all. Um, There are agencies who feel a liability of letting um, individuals who are not members of their clubhouses into their meetings. Um, However, most, um, and I know especially the Riverside Community Care Programs, are open to anyone. Okay, so when and I mean open, I mean you, you can walk in, uh, and you mentioned that I, I can walk in as, as somebody looking for care myself, but I can also walk in to support a loved one. Absolutely, yeah. The um, DRA as a fellowship is open to truly anyone, supporters, loved ones, um, people who are interested in learning more about 12-step are welcome. We really do, you know, and Tim Hamilton, the founder, really saw DRA as being, um, you know, something that could only prosper and benefit from more inclusivity versus less. Is the text altered, the 12-step text? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You're referring to the the, their version of the big book? Yes. Uh, yes, significantly. Uh, it's it's far more tailored to to being more inclusive. And, and I would say every step addresses addiction as well as mental health um, in terms of that step. So there's a dual recovery book. Oh, a big, yeah. A big book for dual recovery. Yeah. Yep. He's so there's a 12-step and dual disorder um, handbook, um, which is basically um, like the AA 12 and 12, but it doesn't talk about the traditions. It just talks about the steps. And then there's a workbook that you can use as well. And that stuff can all be found on Hazelden or Amazon. 
And then in our door co- in our DRA meetings, we're often using meditation readers, Hazelden meditation readers. We do like the daily reading and we try to pick the readers that are really geared towards people who are in dual recovery um, so that they will address topics that people can relate to um, within the community. Dual recovery meetings, are they exclusively at the clubhouse or is it a separate? I'm getting mixed up on it. Uh, only on that part. Is it something that in, that these meetings are offered in other places in addition to the, or is it only, are they only part of that network? They should be everywhere, uh, just as AA and, and NA and OA meetings are. Uh, it just it just so happens that because of Val, Riva, and, and Julie's hard work, they the clubhouses have really taken the reins on, on spreading DRA, at least in Massachusetts. So even though most, probably not all, but most DRA meetings uh, in Massachusetts can be found in clubhouses or on Zoom, and then some of the um, RLCs, for instance, the Recovery Learning Centers, um, also host DRA meetings, as, as well as I'm sure other programs that Julie can tell you more about. They are not exclusive to clubhouses. We've just really taken the reins on them. And I will say that at, um, at least in Ponset River House, um, the Riverside Community Care Clubhouse in Norwood, our DRA meetings are open to the public, um, at least during this stage of the pandemic. <laughs> One of the things I want to be careful of, because I have a habit of doing this, is assuming people know what we're talking about. So I do want to circle back to the clubhouse model. And for anybody that wants to really hear an, ex- uh, an extensive interview on that, go to last week's show on our podcast site, and you will hear uh, a show dedicated to Clubhouse. But since we're talking dual recovery, can we just do a, a quick overview, uh, Paula, of the Clubhouse model and what we're referring to? Sure. Um, clubhouses uh, were developed, and our um, communities where individuals with mental health issues um, can attend for vocational rehabilitation, social rehabilitation, and um, help with education and just community linkages. Um, so they're, they're communities that are active in that. And um, it just so happens that in Massachusetts, they've also embraced dual recovery. Yeah. And so the clubhouses are accessible to anybody that wants to go in for care that's community-driven. You become a member when you go there, so you have certain rights as a member, uh, and you can you have expectations of, of getting support and help. Uh, importantly, Julie mentioned on the last show how important the and central the employment training, retraining, and support was to you, and that's a huge part of it. And Paul, is that that has to be because we gain so much of our sense of self through what we do. Right for a vocation. Yeah, um, without without going on a long diatribe, the the whole model, the whole clubhouse model began when John Beard uh, in like the not, I don't know almost half a century 40s. ago in the nineteen forties uh, found that one of his patients really blossomed when they would do algebra work together. I think right, and he realized that there was this non therapeutic approach to recovery that wasn't being tapped into, and from there the first clubhouse fountain house in New York City sprung up and. Now it's international. Wow, and Anne made the point earlier when we were talking about funding. These services are free to residents in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. 
um, <laughs> amazingly. And you can go to massclubs.org is the website and find out where the clubhouse is uh, in your region. If you're listening from out of state, there you, uh, Paula, are uniquely positioned to talk about that. You are actually the international. I'm a member of the um, Clubhouse International Advisory Council. Um, in addition to being a faculty member or a creditor, as people may be more averse in, um, for the Clubhouse International community. Awesome. So so we're talking not only in the United States, but, but worldwide. clearly worldwide, there even are in Australia, over, where you've been. Right. Australia, I've been in South Korea. Um, it's an international movement, and there are over 300 clubs throughout the world, um, Asia, Europe, um, Africa, South America, North America. And if you're outside of Massachusetts, you go to the website for Clubhouse International. You can Google it, and it will bring you to the site, and they have a um, directory where you can find clubhouses in your area. Perfect, perfect. So again, Dual Recovery Anonymous is a 12-step fellowship that supports mental health recovery and substance misuse recovery simultaneously with its own text uh, and um, based on the 12 steps. Tim Hamilton was the Bill Wilson, I guess, of oh yeah, of dual recovery, and uh, and and that wasn't very long ago. That I think it was 1989 that dual recovery was founded. Yes, it was founded in 1989, and it was brought to um, Massachusetts in um, 1994 um, through a project that the Massachusetts Clubhouse Coalition had. Um, uh, there was a uh, that we we operate under a contract with um, Be- Mass Behavioral Health Partnership, and they are they have been huge support to us. Um, they're hugely supportive. So um, we run events, annual events like um, Dual Recovery um, Retreat every year, Dual Recovery Celebration. Um, we have an ongoing sponsorship workshop that you can find on our website if you're interested in learning about more about being a sponsor and honing those skills um we have and we have some things in the works coming up as well so there's a lot going on we hear so from so many people out there that they're looking for the answer was it mental health diagnosis first or was it substance misuse first or you know how do the two relate and importantly how do i get treatment for that the answer is finding when you have a loved one that's suffering from both a mental health diagnosis again whether it's they diagnose themselves whether they uh, it doesn't have to be uh, on the spectrum it doesn't have to be a, a, any type of mental health diagnosis it can be and it's same with addiction uh, it's all encompassing gambling sex addiction um, uh, um, drinking water too much I mean anything <laughs> that you self-identify as misuse right is is covered and I think the point I'm trying to make is it's a huge tent that you guys cast you keep expanding it right as people come in uh, you don't want anybody left out. So um, I hope people will hear this and reach out for the help that they need. Yeah. Um, you know, anytime you're feeling powerless in life, I mean, that that in and of itself, it can be a really isolating experience. And we offer people the opportunity to connect and relate to each other, um, you know, in in 
all aspects of their health and wellness. And, you know, I have to say just from my own experience, you know, have gone having gone to a lot of different 12-step fellowships to look for support, um, that coming to a DRA fellowship and be, being able to share about things like hospitalizations and mm-hmm. medi- healthy medication um, use and um, psychiatry and psychotherapy. And, you know, when, when you share about those things, seeing a sea of heads nodding um, is really um, uplifting and um, something that you might not always experience in some of those other halls. Um, you know, not to say that um, there aren't things that those places can offer. Um, you know, I know Val um, shared in her um, interview about the singleness of purpose of AA, and I think there is something really special and unique to be said about that, um, to go to a room where everybody is recovering from the same addiction and can all relate on that level. Um, but what we offer is an opportunity for people who have really strong mental health challenges um, to be able to look at each other in the eye and say, hey, we're doing okay. You know, we're, we're going to be okay. And, you know, I've been through the same thing you've been through. And it is scary and it is overwhelming. And sometimes you don't know how to find your way out of it. But together we have hope. And, you know, to be able to see people who have years and years and years outside of the hospital, um, you know, that is really a hopeful message and, and makes you think that, you know, there there is a path to wellness, even when you're, you know, experiencing some of your darkest, most troubling symptoms. Julie Sprinkle, Paula Fisher, and Paul McLearney, thank you all for being here. And I also want to remind you to go to our podcast site, which is hosted here at the WFPR website. Go to WFPR.FM. Click on the link to past shows and you'll find the link to the safe radio podcasts, which include last week's show on the Massachusetts Clubhouse Coalition. And as always, if you want to reach the Safe Coalition support line, please call us at 508-488-8105, massclubs.org. You can get all the information you need on the Clubhouse Coalition, the local clubhouse that serves your area, and importantly, Dual Recovery Anonymous, which is an integral part of what mass clubhouses do. And so for my co-host, Dr. Ann Bergen, my name's Jim Derrick saying thanks for listening to Safe Radio, and we'll see you next week.